Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. professional wrestling well you're getting a lot of it this weekend hey we like professional wrestling too this is shake them rubs i am jeff hawkins he is chris novembrino attention must be paid rest in peace tina turner yes the queen of rock and roll passed away at 83 i i love me some tina i love me some ike and tina chris uh look the tina turner live album from was it 72 is uh, oh yeah classic listening really is it's, it's great stuff they they put together a really really good band in the late 60s yeah and... they called it a review as a matter of fact it was the i cantina turner review i believe yeah they were they, it was a very tight band uh you know that they, they were they were going for like james brown levels of tightness with this band that they, they and i mean tina for her part her stage work the amount of energy that she would put into those performances and couple it with the actual like virtuosic singing that she would do on, on top of it pretty pretty effing impressive jeff oh and especially going into her later life where she was still you know touring even after she moved to switzerland um interesting story there she had to actually apply for in switzerland they get to vote on whether or not you can stay in the city once you become a citizen, I found that very, she actually had a campaign, please let me do that. But she was one of these boomer acts that had a renaissance as well in the, in the mid eighties and, you know, private dancer, of course, what's love got to do with it. Et cetera. It was a monster, monster album when I was a kid. Um, personal choices for me, look, her, her version of proud Mary is friggin' awesome. Uh, mountain high Valley low, I believe, uh, I love Nutbush City Limits. I think that's just a badass driving song. Uh, later stuff, or actually, you know what? They, I and Tina did a Christmas album. I love the song Merry Christmas Baby. It's probably my favorite song to play around Christmas. And an underappreciated one from her catalog is later from 1995. Um, Bono and the Edge wrote the theme song for the James Bond movie goldeneye the one that introduced pierce brosnan and tina turner did the theme right to that and right. that's a, i love that song i think oh, that's, that's, a, that's, a that's a great a that's a great bond theme uh you have any other choices 
No, but I, we don't need another hero, you know, beyond Thunderdome. Come on, <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to dig through her kind of peak era stuff, or I mean, you know, like her early peak era stuff. Not the, the... peak era stuff is great. I mean, I know I, I, think... I'm gonna have to review some live albums here because yeah. I mean, she is definitely someone as accomplished as she was in the studio, like you know, she had a number of like quality 80s pop style hits. I think that she's the best when she's doing the raw, pure energy performance thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the originator of the role of the Acid Queen in The Who's Tommy, which was another great one. If you watch the movie version, she basically steals that movie doing that. Um, yeah, I think for you, what you'll, what you'll be interested in is the interplay between Tina and Ike's just driving guitar. Because Ike Turner, is, you know, scumbag. <laughs> Ike Turner beat. Tina Turner. Uh, there's, there's no getting around that. The music, but from the musical part uh, of that, Ike's driving guitar with the bass, with Tina just being a one woman show for the most part, doing her dancing. There, there's a, there's a version of a, a I want to say Top of the Pops. It's one of those types of '70s show where people would like lip sync, and she's doing Nutbush City Limits, and Ike's playing an, an acoustic guitar, but it's. The, the the sound coming in is an electric guitar in the entire band. And Tina's just dancing the entire time just as a whirling dervish, and she's awesome at it. I think you're gonna be interested from the guitar perspective as well as Ike Turner and how she how he backs Tina while she's doing this entire performance. I'll I'll be very interested to your thoughts. Yeah, I you know, I don't know much off the top of my head about his guitar style. I, right. I sort of like opine what it probably sounds like but i i would be in, i need to take a listen to him no, i would i, I would say driving blues like memphis driving blues type yeah, thing. yeah for sure for sure uh maybe even kind of like uh, like isley's pre the phaser like who's that lady era very very a little a little bit a little, Chris oh, Mayfieldy, yeah. a little bit yeah. Too, yeah, yeah yeah no no that sounds about right it, it's not quite funky it's more rock than funk and it's more blues than than rock at times but yeah uh yeah no tino, tino is great gonna be listening to some of that over the weekend but we got some graphs to talk about and we got a lot of graphs we got three shows to preview because hey why why would you want to spend a holiday weekend doing nothing but watching wrestling to I the mean, new well, <laughs> go ahead is there anything else going on this weekend well you know you, you should you should take some time to give honor to the people who have sacrificed for for our country in war Always, that's what... every week you get on the show and you're like support the troops support the... no hey. you're, doing, you're doing it again hey you're doing it again hey i take memorial day somewhat seriously i'm sorry uh top of the news collision officially announced for a june 17th debut at the united center in chicago guess what that means chris just guess Means you're doing a by the lake. It means you're doing a podcast from Mindy's. That's what you're. <laughs> yeah, it's Mindy's Bakery. Uh, it means probably that CM Punk is is in the fold, and uh, that tends to be the smart money. Um, our our compatriot one Joseph Lanza, intrepid reporter. Doing some quality audio on the uh, punk situation. I'd like to read some highlights to you for your reactions. Uh, he says the Ace Steel issue was dealt with on Tuesday. I assume this is the Tuesday before the upfronts. 
which he says was a very ugly day. But by Wednesday, Punk and Tony were back on solid ground discussing booking ideas. Says Punk asked to be taken off the press materials because he didn't want to be advertised in advance. Lanza said he had always planned to come back on the 17th and that he has never changed and that he has never threatened to bail on Collision. The segregation to a Saturday show was not Punk's idea. The Elite wanted that and the Young Bucks wanted that. Punk also Punk wanted Ace Steel back on the on the road. The EVP said absolutely not, and that is why Ace is working remotely. All the legal documents passed between the parties were all amicable and not threatening, including the NDA on Brawl Out. Joe says that one states that Punk is required to attend television tapings when asked. Lanza says Punk signed his first AEW contract an hour before he took the stage in Rampage, so all this being last minute is no surprise. And Tony wasn't going to announce the United Center until Punk had signed the brawl out NDA and other docs, but at no point in this entire ordeal has Punk ever wavered on showing up on the 17th. Don't think it's out of bounds for Tony to expect something and Punk to ask for something. Lanza says Punk is contrite and apologetic about the press conference, and then he was told Punk outright apologized to Tony about the press conference. Punk feels everybody just needs to let bygones be bygones in regards to the locker room fight and move on. Lanza said he was told that Punk had tried to contact the Bucks, and the only response was from their lawyers. Um, and other than that, uh, let's see. Da -da 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 -da. Sorry, I'm, I'm editing some stuff for time here. But the bottom line here is Punk wants this. He wants back in, and there's things he's had to concede. There's things he had to agree to. Tony Khan's racking up more W's than you think. The Bucks are racking up more W's than they think. And you could argue Punk is racking up the biggest W of them all because he's allowed to come back. But he's had to make some concessions, no doubt about it. He's not returning to, quote-unquote, his perfect world, but his perfect vision of what his return would look like. He's been banished to the weekend and not by choice. Lanza calls Collision the Island of Malcontent Toys. It's the Island of Misfit Toys. We've said that before here. Come on, Lanza. That is Saturday, a show that will be loaded with all the problem children, which I think that is the most interesting. But, you know, the locker room's all divided on this with, you know, people don't like punk. There are some that do, and there are most that are just like, God, can we just go to work, please? But um, Collision being the uh, being where all your malcontents who are under contract, under one roof. Yeah, let, let's talk about the, the structure of Collision, because I think it starts there and we can work our way out. I think before we start awarding W's and L's, uh, let's see how Collision plays out, because I think that this model of moving all of the employees who aren't happy working there to a B show that you're launching, but you'd like to do good ratings. Like the idea is that this show is supposed to be a success. It's not supposed to be like detention. It's not Saturday detention. It's Saturday collision. <laughs> and if you are moving everyone you don't like who you think is acting up in class over to collision, what does that say to wrestling fans who are following this news? Why would I watch Collision? It's a B show. Like Tony apparently thinks it's a B show. He's moving all the people who don't work well with him over there, or all the people who the Bucks say don't work well, and, and that that also raises its own sort of series of problems. Um, I mean, yeah, certainly, I in terms of awarding W's, yes, it's a W for the Bucks that they got Tony Khan to think that this brand split model is a good idea and beyond that uh that like 
I don't know that AEW is really built to sustain a brand split. But beyond that, how you should structure your brand split is by moving all the people you hate to one brand and moving all the good <laughs> children to the good brand. Like Here, it, Here's what's baffling to me. Is that good management, Jeff? Uh, no, it certainly is not. Just cut it, bait. Is that I'm missing something here? Because that seems bad to me. That it seems, se- yeah, seems, seems unwise. It seems yes. We're, we're gonna re-sign Evely. Oh, I'm hard on the guy, but we're, I we're, I, gonna, I'm, we're I'm, gonna sign I'm, Tessa Blanchard. We're gonna sign Alberto Del Rio. Let's bring them all in. Let's bring every malcontent in the wrestling world in. But further to that, these are all people with bad will with your main fan base, because you know. Tony prides himself on being a Mr. Online Twitter Tony. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, hey, we just had an entire reality show about AEW on TNT afterwards. And the 300,000 people or so who hung around for that all saw how people had a problem with Thunder Rosa. Oh, well, welcome back, Thunder Rosa. You're the center female on this show. Now, they know that Miro and Andrade... I've had some issues with Tony because, you know, the, the entire community is talking about it. Who is this show for? Because I get punk fans may want to tune in, but are we looking for lapsed WWE fans who are looking for a more sports entertainment thing? I, I do like the idea of it having a distinct voice. I, I pray to God that it has a distinct, more wrestling voice than, say, uh, you know, than, than some of the... Uh, but they're format. not building a brand to execute a voice. Yeah. They're building a brand to address locker room issues. And they're going to try to reverse engineer a concept around that. And I don't think that's going to work. Not the least of which is, what if these guys don't all end up working well together? Right. Yeah. Like, and it, yeah, it, it, just it's, we were you don't like them doesn't mean that they're all going to get along. We were given the chance at this real estate. What do we want to put on it? Well... <laughs> Let's build the halfway house over on Saturday. And then, you know, and then if it doesn't be the other part, Jeff, at at the end of the day with this, with this pseudo brand split, you have to run these pay-per-views. You have to somehow get this narrative universe to come back together and then have all these misfit toys come and work on these cards because they're going to want to work on the pay-per-view cards. The misfit toys are not going to be happy if part of being on collision means you don't get to work the big shows with the big paydays. Yeah, you get the secondary pay-per-views that we're experimenting with right now. And if this show does low ratings, there's going to be even more grumbling. Like, you set us up to fail. I I don't... I. And I don't think this show is going to be successful. That's me. I, I just, I just think the and, cable, and the cable landscape is are going to start trying to protect their rep. Yes. You know I mean? Yeah, they're not going to want to be stuck on the banana peel show. Right. They, they don't want to hurt their value if they want to go back, quote unquote, home to WWE. At least in the cases of Andrade and Miro. You know, I, I, I just, I, I think Punk, Punk has enough pride in his work where he's like, I don't want to be stuck with a losing brand. That's why he didn't sign with AEW in the first place. He wanted to see if it would be successful. I I just, and if you put things like, I mean, if we decide to put all the malcontents over there, I mean, I'm not saying FTR are malcontents, but they do have a, there is some backlash to FTR amongst the AEW fan base because of Dax's podcast. 
Let, let's... No, if this, this trend continues, then the dynamite formula very quickly is going to be comprised of four things that amount to 75% of the show with very little else. And those four things are whatever the elite's doing right now, which will get high billing, not always top building, but the, in the case of this pay-per-view, it will be top built. Um, you have Orange Cassidy, who is going out and doing the workhorse thing. I like the matches. They're a bit long for me, and they're usually taking up about 20 minutes of like real time when you factor in commercials, like 15 to 20 minutes mm-hmm. on, on average. You have MJF and whatever MJF is doing at, at the time here. And then you have Jericho. And whatever is going on with the Jericho Appreciation Society, whether it's a new hat or <laughs> pants or a new, neat new tagline um, or destroying Ricky Starks, we, we usually allocate a good 10 to 15 minutes to that, uh, generally speaking. And that makes Dynamite, a two-hour show, a pretty tight window. Oh, by the way, you also have to do stuff with the women. Um, and I'm not saying that the Soraya Tony Storm stuff is lighting the world on fire, but it's getting time and it gets time reliably on it. So then it's not really a great mystery to me that people like Swerve or Keith Lee, just to name like two off the top of my head, don't have an easy way to get back into the mix here on Dynamite. And I see those problems getting worse. Uh, if, if anything, uh, I, I think, you know, if you don't work well with Jericho or the Bucks, I think the Bucks might get, you know, the idea that a suggestion you can give Tony Khan is, I think these guys would be really great on collision. Yeah, and I'll even further your thing. On, on, on Honor Club tonight, they ran an episode of Ring of Honor, 18 matches, Chris. 18 that's ridiculous <laughs> and it's it's all the guys you think because it's all the guys they've signed we have all these bloated rosters and we can't fit in time and part of the reason is we just keep signing people to sign them to have them under contract we just signed another act this week by the way we'll get to that in a moment and we're gonna let them we're gonna let them cook every week on tv and you're just going to have a, a big giant roster of people backstage doing nothing. And I, I just kind of feels like on, on one hand, it's like I'm rooting for the boys. It's good that they're all getting yes. work. But yes. on the other hand, you know, in my own industry, it's like if a restaurant is hiring bands and they are just playing for the walls because there's no customers, obviously, I want those bands to be getting that work, you know, $300 a night, but it's sort of missing the point, right? Like if you're not actually playing for people, if you're not actually really wrestling for people and I mean, okay, yes. Honor club, I'm sure was taped in front of a live audience of upwards of 200, but like, if you're not actually doing it for like real numbers, you're missing part of the exercise in my opinion. AEW detention would be a hell of a name for this show. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> like, like, I think we're we're not calling it collision anymore. We're calling it detention. Purgatory. It's a <laughs> on probation. Ah, detention. <laughs> They're the breakfast club. <laughs> 
This is Tony Khan's management style. It's let's get all these people who don't get along, who are all really different. We have CM Punk doing the, it's a Judd Nelson, right? That's the leverage. (laughs) Okay. All right. And then we have Thunder Rosa and she's doing Ali Sheedy. Oh, I, no, she's Molly Ringwald. He's Molly Ringwald? She's okay. Molly Ringwald. I, I don't remember. Like, I remember Ali, she was like kind of more the broody one. I, Thunder Rosa kind of strikes me as a little broody. She might be uh, a little broody, but there might be like, you know, <laughs> let's put Abaddon in the Abaddon. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, no, that, she works as the Ali Sheedy for sure. Uh, the, this is great. And then we need to have, there's a jock, right? That would be yeah. a good deal. We, well, we can put we can put Andrade there or Miro. Yeah, Miro Miro would be good. I think Miro yeah. would be great as a job. Yeah, yeah, Miro. Yeah, and then what's the th- we need the nerd? Is there a nerd? Yeah, there's a nerd. Okay, who's a nerd? <laughs> I mean, it... there's plenty of them. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, give, give me a, give me a nerd. No, I'm upset. Like, yeah, you know, like. You want Pete Avalon in there? <laughs> right. Okay. There you go. Then Peter Peter Avalon. I mean, I don't know. Is he is he persona non grata? But like, I, th- I think he's like per contract basis. Maybe maybe we can go with uh oh who's 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 too smart to be doing the level that they're on right now? Who's who's criminally under? Let's put Starks in there. Starks would be good. Yes. Yeah, okay. Good. All right. Yeah. And we and Starks is working like a nerd character throughout the movie, and it's really yeah awkward. yeah. There we go. And not super well executed, but kind of charming. Okay, so so we got that. We got Tony Khan as a, as as in the Paul Gleason principal character. Who who's the John Capellos? Who's the janitor? Yeah, and, and Tony Khan. <laughs> oh, it's Sting. Sting comes in because you know I used to be starring this place. I am the eyes and ears of this organization. Tony Khan, <laughs> you mess with the bull, and you get the horns. Oh, <laughs> all right. I think we got a winner here, Chris. It fits right into the TBS Uvor. <laughs> Book it. Book it. Book it. Um, other news. Injuries abound in women's wrestling right now. Some of your favorites sidelined for a while. Mercedes Monet broke her ankle at the uh or it's 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 assumed she broke her ankle. She injured her foot at uh New Japan Resurgence um on Sunday night here in Long Beach. In the match against Willow Nightingale, they uh, called an audible, had Willow pin Mercedes there. I had thought she was a possibility to show up on a Sunday in Vegas, giving, given Los Angeles's uh, proximity. Looks like that'll be probably out. Dakota Kai torn ACL in the match, in the same match where Liv Morgan was hurt. Liv Morgan's scheduled to have shoulder surgery. And Jamie Hayter, per Fightful, is more hurt than has been told. And that Sean Rossap quotes expects a bit of a paradigm shift in the women's division in the next five days. Chris, any thoughts? More like Jamie Herder. Am I right? Bazinga. Novi is back on the board. All right. Also, I think that the audible with Mercedes Monet and Willow Nightingale is really interesting that it gives Willow a chance to maybe do it i'm i'm not getting the push that tony won't give her (laughs) yeah right right like like it's it's a really interesting opportunity and i'm happy that she's got it it was interesting but man i felt like they blew that off on dynamite a little bit and they could have had a chance to let it linger 
like go to break after announcing that after after the you know the announcers are really impressed that she won because you're literally saying she went over one of the biggest stars in women's wrestling for a title and then and then Excalibur transitions. Well, you know, but moving on, we have we have a pay per view to talk about. Here's the lineup for that. No, don't don't to the back this. Let it let it give it the emotional resonance, and then coming out of the break, you can give the pay per view lineup. I just I, I thought they shortchanged her a bit on this. And I think uh, Dakota Kai is really the one that uh, I feel for because she's finally getting that main roster run after years in NXT. She, but this, uh, she might save her from cuts. So that too. Yeah, yeah, you can't. You, they don't cut injured people. Right, um, and there's probably a round of cuts coming here sometime in the summer. It does throw a bit of a monkey wrench in the uh, split plans of damage control, but I could also see them bringing somebody up from NXT who's no longer in line for this tournament. Possibly even Roxanne Perez as soon as you know next Friday. Possibly, so I, I don't. Bailey get J.C. Jane into damage control. J.C. Jane would be a good call too, or even Cora Jade. I mean, she has she has her she Bailey has this group of women who adore her in NXT, and they're all kind of her. You know, they sit at they sit at the the uh, the foot of the learning tree when she comes down to the PC. So you know, a, any of those would be a a good choice as well. Um, and one last thing, it was announced during Dynamite. Mark Davis and uh, Kyle Fletcher, a.k.a. Aussie Open, are now officially all elite. A little bit of a shock because we thought they were under contract with New Japan, but this might just be for American dates. Mark Davis currently out at the same New Japan resurgent show. Uh, Aussie Open relinquished both the IWGP and New Japan Strong tag team titles. Anything? I got nothing on that. Okay, yeah. I think they're a good team. I think... Look, it's another team that that does, has really good, smooth matches. Okay, great. Let's see. They're flavorless for me. It's it's they're not, a bit flavorless for me too. Right. There was nothing wrong. Kyle Fletcher is part of Aussie Open, right? Yes. Yeah. Nothing wrong with Kyle Fletcher. Solid match. Yes. Never thought he had any chance of beating Orange Cassidy. So it got long in the tooth for me. Like when I don't and think the number of pile drivers in there where he's like, oh, come on, guys. Yes, and I don't know, like, it, these matches lack flavor for me. A little bit, yeah, and, and, and I think also that's like, it's like, it's, it's they're, they're doing damage to Orange Cassidy, but at the same time, nobody's giving that kind of angry, I'm trying to hurt Orange Cassidy so I can pin him type thing. It's, we're doing moves to Orange Cassidy that look bad. And they've gotten away from the story I thought they were telling, which right. is that Orange Cassidy was getting more and more beaten up match after match after match. He was doing this workhorse thing. But as an interesting twist to the normal workhorse presentation, in this case, the workhorse breaks down. I like that. I, I think yeah. that's a really interesting storyline. They're not telling it, but I, I, I would agree. Some, I wish they would at some point because that's a very interesting and compelling babyface story. You're rooting for this workhorse, but you know that each race the horse is getting more and more beaten up. That said, the rest of tonight it's going to be mostly lazy river, even though it's not going to be that lazy because we have cards from both the main roster of WWE, NXT and AEW to preview. We will start with the first one chronologically, Night of Champions, live from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. 
a little bit of shocker of the roster that's going over there, but uh, here goes nothing, Chris. Seven matches on the card currently. Starting with, for a for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, Rhea Ripley versus Natalia. Come on. No, this, no, this is a tough one, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, right? Natalia is a member of the Hart family. This is a valued member of the company. She has given countless... <laughs> Time and Shut again, up. no, I, I will not be stifled. Not on my own show. Not now. Not now. Not today. Speak your truth, Chris. Speak it about Natalia. Natty's winning the belt. No, no. Okay. No, she's not. <laughs> uh, the other women's championship title: Bianca Belair versus Oscar, which I think will be a fun match. But man, it's like. Oscar just goes back. Oscar just do crazy stuff. Okay, cool. Here we are. Um, any chance they take the belt off Bianca here? I don't think so. No, no, I don't either. Um, let's get all the women's matches out of the way. Even though I like the women's matches here, I just I, I think there's absolutely no drama to it whatsoever. Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus, who will have to wear a shirt. It'll take away half of her character in a singles match. <laughs> I love Trish, but this Bush has been all about her boobs, and it's ridiculous at times to me. But uh, I think this will be a fun match. Uh... <laughs> I'm interested in this match because so far, Trish has not dazzled in this return. And... Because people want to cheer her. It's ridiculous, oh, I'm talking Chris. about when she's doing spots and stuff. Well, she's she... 46, Chris. Come on. I... I get that. Okay. So the, the 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 point here is Becky has the challenge of getting Trish to a good match. Yes, and hopefully not wear those glasses that she wore on Monday. Yeah, I, I'm no, I know, I know that she's you know an advanced talent. Yes, Jeez. yes, Jeez. Okay. I trying to accuse me of ageism now uh, on my own show. Look, I've been accused of worse. So. <laughs> You can take some heat occasionally, Chris. You're you're the lovable one of this half. Uh, <laughs> Love me. In another, just why are we doing this? And this is going to be some interesting trolling on behalf of the WWE. Gunther versus Mustafa Ali in a singles match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. I'm telling you, baby. I think it's going to be fun. I think Gunther's going to chop the crap out of Mustafa Ali. I think that'll be that'll be enjoyable. It will be really interesting to see if Gunther and Ali can get the crowd to get really behind Ali. Yes! That, to me, is going to be the real... And there's no way in hell that's going to happen, I don't think. because Or, or they're going to get mad. They're going to turn on this match if they... <laughs> it's... A really weird booking choice, right? Like, if you're not going to have Ali going over, what is the crowd psychology exactly that you're trying to work here? You want the crowd to root for the underdog. In this case, the underdog is a person of Middle Eastern descent, and he's going up yes. against the extremely German-presented Gunther. And <laughs> you're doing this in Saudi Arabia. We're rooting for the German because... Right, the, right. The German heel with the, the yes, the Saudi Arabian crowd is going to be really excited about the German heel. Bring no, like the Ottoman Empire. Come on. Here. Crowd psychology here 
would be him behind Ali and and try to will him to a win here. You know, a surprise win over Gunther, you know, in Saudi Arabia with this crowd like wildly behind the guy. No, but I could I could see Vince Ooh. being fascinated with going, okay, we're gonna take a man of of Middle Eastern descent. He's gonna be the heel going in, but I want the crowd to root for him. And then I want them to get mad for the heat because Gunther beat them. I'm like, that is that is some 6D chess, Vince, that ain't going to work in any place anywhere. It's it's fascinating to me, too, like how far afield we've gotten from the first show where it was all about, you know, appeasing the government and yeah. thus trying to book a very crowd-friendly show to Gunther versus Ali, a match that Ali almost certainly is going to lose. F it. Give them a card, and we give them just this dreck. For the most part, I mean, nobody. <laughs> oh no, Natty's a Natty's a seasoned vet. She, she might have a chance against Rhea That's Ripley. Like, oh yeah, incredible contender. <laughs> uh, for the uh, for the for the world consolation title, <laughs> Seth freaking Rollins versus AJ Styles. Probably gonna be a hell of a match. Yeah, I know. Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins is getting the first. Seth is winning this one as well. I, I mean, I, it's just funny how half-assedly they brought AJ Styles into the mix because they just wanted to make sure they had a hell of a match on the card. So, yeah, uh, Seth is going to win. This match probably will slam, though. Uh, another match that I think will slam, but it's still very interesting given uh, given geopolitics and also given performers' previous want to go to Saudi Arabia. For the tag team titles, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in Saudi Arabia versus the bloodline of Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa with Paul Heyman on Roman Reigns' thousandth day as undisputed champion. Chris, are we taking the titles off Owens and Zayn? Because I think so we are. Didn't Roman have the title though on SmackDown? Wasn't he holding it? Yes, but the, I mean he can't lose the undisputed heavyweight title. They can all Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Oh, I, are thought, the only they, I thought they were holding the tag titles at the. They end. are. They are holding. Oh, you mean no? I, on SmackDown, the Go Home, I thought they were holding up the tag titles. Am I just like completely constructing this in my mind? Um, I'm trying to remember. I I think. Oh. Uh, stuff i thought i thought that Sam, that sammy and kevin got the better of them but maybe i'm wrong on that the go home was taped already it's gonna air friday so we'll see about that but i mean just what's your inclination here uh i'm gonna say owens and zane retain feel good thing you think especially, the, I, especially after the mustafa aldi thing okay hear me out I got one for you. Owens and Zayn retain because the Usos attack Solo or Roman, or they accidentally something accidentally happens when they're trying to help them win it. Because that's, that's kind of how I was seeing this go. Like, I mean, it would be real interesting if this was Jay's breaking point, and that was the big angle of this match. Well, I think we're, we're I think we're pivoting to Reigns and Sokoa versus the Usos, and maybe Owens and Zayn find another team to feud with. Maybe like you know. Well, Imperiums are they've already had matches with them, but um boy, I, I cannot well, look, this is good because I mean or good or it's interesting in the sense of Heyman is working with all these heel factions, so you do ultimately have an intriguing babyface storyline of Sami Zayn 
Kevin Owens and the Usos finally all uniting to go up against the neo-dangerous alliance that Heyman seems to be formulating. Yeah, I just, I can't get past Roman and Solo holding up those tag titles and the Usos just steaming. So I'm going to go with the bloodline. It's not the popular pick, but I'm going to go with it. I think I think they're going to go heavy. And I think this story, this story is all about Roman, really. And eventually Solo turns on Roman. And I think I think Roman Solo is the match at WrestleMania. I got to be honest with you. I think that's what it's coming to. But uh, we'll see. And then in your kind of main event, I don't have a stipulation for this. And I thought there was one. Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. Yet again, more interesting geopolitics as uh, the American nightmare, Mr. Patriotism, Mr. Red, White, and Blue, Cody Rhodes against Brock Lesnar, bonafide star, which they generally like to push and generally like to do in these uh, foreign shows. They had Brock, quote-unquote, break his arm, and we we had the, uh, the ending was Triple H going, I know your arm's broken, so they have an out for that. I got Brock winning this. Who do you have? I think Brock wins this as well. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be uh that'll be something. Um I think I'm going to wait. Well, actually I'll be on the road when this show is happening, so I'll have to watch it later, but I'll hear about it and then I will uh pick and choose. But I hope uh I hope everybody's safe and I hope everybody safely returns and I hope no planes are kept on the tarmac this year. That's what I will say about that. Moving on to Lowell, Massachusetts. For NXT Battleground, trying to take some of the thunder away from AEW is the WWE's Developmental League. A uh, a not-so-fun go-home show, I thought, on Tuesday. I, I was not uh, enjoying myself watching it. Uh, but here we are. And the matches on paper, I think, are pretty good. It's just the builds have made no sense whatsoever, and we'll get into that especially with the main event, but here we go. For the NXT Tag Team Championships, Gallus, Mark Coffey, and Wolfgang with Joe Coffey taking on the Creed Brothers, Brutus Creed and Julia, or Julius Creed. Chris, I thought they were going to give the tag team titles to the Creeds at uh, <clears throat> the event here in Los Angeles. They did not. Does Gallus lose the titles here in Lowell, Massachusetts? Man. Yes, I don't feel strong on this call, but I feel like it's the Creed's time to get the belts. I also don't feel strong about it, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> with with no, absolutely no uh, idea why. I said yes, dot, 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 question mark. Yes, I, I know you did. I, I appreciate that. I'm going to say no. Maybe they have something for the Creed brothers down the road. Maybe there's a program that they're looking at, but I'm I'm just gonna say no, just because I don't. I, this is kind of where Gallus belongs, I think. I'd, I'd love for them to have a main roster thing, but they're not giants, but they're big for developmental and they're heels, and they kind of need that in NXT. So I'm gonna say no. I think Gallus retains here. Triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship: Wesley versus Tyler Bate versus Joe Gacy. God, this program, Chris. The, the Tyler Bate Wesley. Oh, you asked me for a title match, even though you're my friend. Just this kind of stuff. I hate I, it. They I do have it a terrible me. secret to admit to you, Wes. I have ambitions. <laughs> like, wow, dude. It's emotional stuff. 
It's like, dude, you can do this straight up. It's not your hiding. Hey, I'd like a title shot. No, no offense. We'll go out there and compete. Yeah, why would you do that? And then you have to act like a spo- like like a spoiled. How could you hurt me like that, dude? <laughs> I, I just get. And then we have Joe Gacy and whatever the hell that 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 whole. I that's one of those things where I like the performers. In there. I know I like Joe Gacy. I mean, I I want I like babyface Joe Gacy. This, put the belt on this. No, put the belt on this guy. I I don't think yeah. they will, but I would be interested in them giving the title that Wesley's got to. Yeah, I just it's it's just but but the, but the gimmick is cringe, and the gimmick is just knock off Bray Wyatt to me. So it, it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, I gotta deal with more of this stuff. But if you really think about it, Jeff, we're all kind of like a tree. <laughs> oh, really? How so? Well, <laughs> we like water. <laughs> I don't like water. I need flavoring in my water. No, you're, you're drinking it, though. You, yeah. you, you know, in, in the trees, they drink all sorts of water. They Lots of terrible flavors. What about cactus? They don't drink water. Yes, they do. They basically are storing water. <laughs> yeah, they're storing it. They're not drinking it. Stupid. <laughs> they drink it and then they store it. Don't don't shmee me me. Come at you. Come at you. It's nothing to me. Oh, we're so obnoxious today. It's great. Uh, in a match that I think is going to be sneaky, sneaky good. Noam Dar versus Dragon Lee in a British Rounds Rules match for the NXT Heritage Cup. Noam yes. Dar continues to be the best troll on this show. He's, I wish, he's funny. I wish he was less written and yes. had more control because he knows how to do this. It's it's one of those things where you don't want him scripted. You say, here's your character. Go do something. Yeah, he knows his character really well. Uh, yeah. I, you, were, you were less into the Supernova sessions on NXT UK than I was, but I, I liked them because... Dar was so settled in on his character that he he would routinely make those very funny. I liked them, but there, but it's one of those things where I was watching it like it's an improv scene, and there has to be a point where the straight man just can't take any more of this and has to stop taking the abuse of Noam Dar, and, and those beats would go on for far too long. Yes, yes. And, and it's like, you are a muscle-bound, in-shape dude who can fight. Go punch him. And, and that that was my issue watching Supernova sessions all the time was just like, all right, this has gone on too far. <laughs> you know, you've abused me too too much. Now I want to punch you. But uh, who do you have winning this? I think Dar retains still. I think Dar retains, but I think it's a mistake. I want to beat Dragon Lee here. I, you know what? As a matter of fact, I'm going to change my call. I think Dragon Lee wins this, and then gets into a gets into a feud with Nathan Frazier and Noam Dar is trying to chase to get his baby back. I want my baby back, baby back. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. I still um, think very fondly of the Lash Legend and Noam Dar interaction. Somewhat of a surprise in the NXT Women's Championship Tournament for that vacant title. Lyra Valkyria versus Tiffany Stratton. I know what the odds on favorite thing, but I want to hear what you think first, Chris. I think they're going to just, they're going to belt Stratton, but Lyra's interesting for sure. I, boy, WWE is a petty, petty company, as we all know. And I like Tiffany Stratton a lot. 
I think she has character down. I think her I think most of her moves are pretty good. I think she's starting to get it. But there's that part of me that lingers that knows how this company feels about certain types of publicity. And Tiffany Stratton did did a interview about uh about the draft where asking if she wanted to be called up and she said no because she wanted to learn a little bit more psychology first. She wanted to stay down and and really, you know, learn things. Now, I don't know if that was a fed line to her. If it was, that's cool. If it wasn't, I could see this management going, well, see, she doesn't want the brass ring. We need to punish her a little bit. And they have a weird fascination with this Lyra Valkyria character. I don't know what it is. I mean, she's, she's doing Sybil Danning from... Uh, Battle Beyond the Star. She's doing the uh, the great warrior put here on Earth and kind of doing fish out of water thing with with the with the grand speeches and stuff. The call, the the logical call is Stratton to have a strong heel champion again, but we went through that long Mandy Rose uh, reign. I could see them putting it on Lyra Valkyria just for like a month and then giving it to Stratton on a random NXT here. So I'm going to go with that one, I think. Okay. And then in what has been a baffling build to me, but will be a great match, Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams defending the NXT Championship against Orange Braun Breaker. (laughs) Now, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong here. Carmelo Hayes cheated to get this title. Correct. Yes. Didn't yeah. No, didn't he like? Yes. It was. It was. It was. Trick Williams involved. got. Trick Williams came out of the crowd, I believe, and and got involved in this, didn't he? Not. Right. So and how then, is he the honorable one in this feud? <laughs> it's just that Braun has decided that he's upset about it. The next day. We're just, we're just going to kill half the roster while Braun does his plays heel. That's the weird thing is I, I love Braun's spears and I love Braun's power. I do not. And I actually kind of like the vignettes he's in like, like the barbershop thing. I thought that was kind of a cool, uh, you know, sense of dread and stuff like that, but I don't buy Braun as a heel. He's too likable. He has too much of his dad in him, to be honest with you. He has he has a lot of the Rick in him and not a lot of the Scott to me. Because he seems goofy as a heel at times. He needs to be more of a brat. I just don't want him to talk, I think. I think that might be it. I, think I, I, just... I like he's got a good cadence. I yes. just that what he's trying to do right now is like, monster, now I'm really mad. And, and I actually want him to be a brat. Okay. A, that like he's upset that he didn't get his own way and he's going to take it out on these people and he's going to bully them and stuff. But like it underneath the bullying and the menace and the physicality, the, the brutal spears is a brattiness. Kind of, kind of like a male version of Charlotte where it's like, I'm a Steiner. I deserve all this type of thing. Or, or is that a little bit too heavy on it? Like, yeah, like a little bit. Yeah. Like I, I deserve this, you know, I should be champion right now. Okay. Um, and, and, and like tantrums, you know, like when he doesn't get his own way, like he you know, basically like threatens to throw a temper tantrum. Only it's like a grown adult man. I, I also kind of like that he came in and he murdered death the Hoss match. 
Because if you, but, but I don't know what it does for those two, but for Braun, it makes him look like a badass because he's just coming in. Oh, who's your biggest guys? I'm coming in to kill them both. Hank the Tank and, uh, or not, isn't Hank the Tank? Hank the Tank and then, uh, whatever. The, or, no, Hank's the uh, security guard. What, what's the other guy? Oh, uh, it's, it's Hank and Tank. Okay, whatever. You have Tank. Tank and Hank. You're right. Yeah. Who I like. I like both of them. I think, uh, I think they may need a rebranding here and there, but you know, just as a hot a couple of Hoss guys doing a tag team thing, I, I liked it. But I liked Braun coming in there and just spearing guys, spearing guys, spearing guys. Uh, Carmel Hayes is retaining this title, isn't he? Yeah, I I, I, yeah. I would reckon so. I agree. I think that Matt. I think uh, I think the card will be better than it is on paper because NXT. Look, it, when it comes to the big events. I'm I'm always a little bit surprised at how well they go, even though I'm down on them. But uh, the go home show was nothing to write home about. We will finish up with the final uh, event of the weekend, one of the big four pay per views for AEW Double or Nothing, live from Las Vegas, Nevada. Nine matches announced so far. Uh, I think one of these will probably get moved to the pre-show, but uh, we shall see. Starting with. Ethan Page and the Guns, Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn, taking on the Hardys, Jeff and Matt, and Hook in a six-man tag match. If the Hardys and Hook win, Matt Hardy will own Ethan Page's contract. This is just an unbelievably strong usage of Hook, who is a character (laughs) who the fan connection with has just gotten hotter and hotter as the months have worn on. Really excited to see what this does for him. Will we be getting wacky segments with Ethan Page doing Matt Hardy's bidding at the Hardy family compound? Yes. Much like Jimmy Garvin working for the Von Ericks, um, Baby Doll working for Dusty Rhodes. Yes, I'm, I'm hoping for butler outfits and other ridiculousness in the style of Southern wrestling. Please give this to me. Please, please, please. Uh, <laughs> Jade Cargill versus Taya Valkyrie for the AEW TBS Championship. Have they done a good job with this? Because I'm kind of perplexed. Because I kind of think they have, and yet they haven't. Do we believe that Taya has a chance of beating Jade Cargill? I don't see it. I don't either. But on that rampage, I think it was. Where she started to do the, uh, what is it, the Valhalla? I forget the, I forget the, what she calls her version of, uh, of the move. When Aubrey went to stop her and stuff, it looked like Taya was turning heel, and it looks like they've backed off from that. But I'm wondering if that's just uh, to get us not thinking about it, and that this becomes the Jade Cargill babyface turn we've been kind of waiting for. But I, I just don't. But stranger things have happened. And maybe maybe Jade's like, look, if it, if it's gonna freshen up my character, maybe I should lose this title so I can do something else. But At I don't think Ty point, is the one. I don't think they have an off ramp, so yeah, they could drop the belt to anyone. I am in full agreement there, and I think that's why Jade probably retains. I think Jade is probably treated like a babyface in this match. I think yeah. her daughter's gonna be in the front row again. That whole deal, 
and we'll be just as confused after this match as to who the babyface and who the heel was in this match. This title reign's going unbelievably well. Yes. One here otherwise. Uh, duly noted, sir. Uh, <laughs> for the AEW Women's World title, Jamie Hayter, the champion versus Tony Storm. Does Tony Storm have any shot at taking this title back, given that we've heard that uh, Jamie Hayter's hurt? I, the odds, I think, are much higher. Than... I'll give I'll give you a third option. Um, a proxy match. Jamie's not in it, but somebody else is. Maybe Britt versus Tony Storm for Jamie's title. Oh wow! Then in that case, I would say Tony wins. Okay, I I am under the impression that either Jamie comes out and they do a quick match where Tony wins, or Britt comes out. And and offers to take the place and beats Tony Storm, and then that starts the friction between Jamie Hader and Britt Baker. Okay, that is how I think that will go. Uh, my odds on favorite are that Tony Storm win this, wins this until Jamie's able to come back, and then Britt maybe chases for this title, or we end up having. I mean, I, I still think we're leading to a blood and guts somewhere between all these women and these factions, but. Maybe Tony Storm has the belt going into that match, and then the aftermath is set up in that match, and then either Jamie or Britt take the title off of Tony. I think that's where we go with this. Uh, in an unsanctioned match, Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho. Sabu, who made an appearance. <laughs> My God, we've done that lights out, lights up gimmick in AEW so many times, and yet Sabu just comes walking down to the ring. But Sabu will be the special guest enforcer. Chris, are we getting any other surprises? Will Abdullah the Butcher show up on a random thing, or is, it, or is this it? Is he going through a table once, and that'll probably be it. But uh, who do you have winning this match between Adam Cole and Chris Jericho? Adam Cole wins it, and I think at some point Sabu turns on Jericho. You know, Jericho's trying to like... Oh, no, no, no. Uh, uh, Sabu's teaming... Sabu's in the uh, helping Adam Cole in all this. Okay. Uh, well, I wasn't. I, I wasn't. He's not the referee. He's just no. Like, he, he's an enforcer for Adam Cole against the JAS. I see. Because Adam Cole said he called up a friend. Right. That's right. Yeah. And we uh, all thought it was going to be Bobby Fish. <laughs> Sabu. <laughs> I think I, Sabu's getting one last bump. I, I I do. I think he's going through a table. I think he's putting two point through a table. At some point, but I think Adam Cole wins. Yeah. And we'll see if he is the first person to escape a Chris Jericho program better off than he, he came in. Right now, Roddy Strong looks like he might be a big beneficiary out of this. He won a match. Yeah, he did. I mean, he looked really good too. Yeah, I think those two as a kind of a tandem unit for right now look pretty darn good. So see, it can happen sometimes. Yes. We are we're sometimes wrong, or at least incorrect. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, sometimes people can escape the vortex. <laughs> Blackjack Battle Royal. 21 men. One of them's Orange Cassidy. No one else has been announced other than, oh, yeah, Ricky Starks and uh, Juice Robinson and Jay White. Does Orange Cassidy come out of this with the title, or do we get a su surprise and that's how they get the belt off of him? I think he retains. I do too. 
Although all I'm thinking of is uh, Juice Robinson yelling Ricky like like a deranged Lucille Ball wanting to go to the club. Ricky! God. <laughs> I hear that in my nightmares, Chris. Uh, <laughs> club Gold, clearly the strongest and best iteration of Bullet Club yet. Yes, yes. Wardlow defending the TNT championship in a ladder match against Christian Cage. Luchasaurus will be there. Arn Anderson will be there. I am somewhat fascinated by this match. And yet also not. Because I think it's going to be a bit of a mess with Luchasaurus and Christian Cage or Luchasaurus constantly getting involved in this. Uh, Does Wardlow come out looking the better for this? And does he win? Yeah, I think Wardlow wins because I do too. I think Christian and Luchasaurus are going to be reuniting with an old friend here sometime soon. Ooh, yeah, I think that main event's going to be a bit of an overbooked mess because I think a lot of people are getting involved in that match. But before we get to that, for the tag team championship, a match that I am desperately looking forward to, even though I wasn't that high on the go home segment, I'll talk about that in a bit. FTR, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler taking on the phenomenal team of Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal with Karen Jarrett, with Sanjay Dutt, and with Satnam Singh. Mark Briscoe, special guest referee. I liked the second half of that. I liked Mark Briscoe just giving no Fs and then that moment with him and Lethal because you can see Lethal's not all in on this. The part I didn't like was FTR being such jerks to Mark Briscoe, where it's like, yeah, it was an accident. Shake my hand like a man. It's like, dude, you accidentally pile drove me. How dare you just tell me bygones or bygones type of a thing? And I think that was kind of the point. I don't know if there's going to be some fractioning going off here or if FTR is eventually going to turn heel and join Punk in a stable or whatever, but that part came off false, but I liked Mark Briscoe here. I don't know that this group of... (laughs) You want Island of Misfit Toys. This is this is this Jeff Jarrett stable, and I love them to death. And I kind of want them to be cheered, to be honest with you, but because Satnam is amazing. But uh, do you have Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal having any chance of taking these tag team titles? No, I, I think that Lethal and Briscoe are going to be kind of spinning off into a team out of this. I agree. That's, I can that's see Jeff I Jarrett see. going off with FTR, and like, and maybe you know Sanjay and Satnam doing their own thing. But you know, Jared and Sa- Jared and Sanjay are just great. But yeah, I can see Lethal and Mark Briscoe just going their own way and saying the hell with all of y'all at the end of this. Very much. I think what they've done with Jay Lethal has been great, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think Jarrett and the the heel team is going to go too far, and like Lethal's finally going to see the light. And complete the face turn. Chris, what's the last match to go on this card? Is it going to be the Anarchy in the Arena? I think it's Anarchy in the Arena. I think you have to. Because I think it will overshadow the four-way. If you don't. But we're going to pick the winners of Anarchy in the Arena first. John Moxley with the best promo I think he's done. I, that first promo, that first serious, almost horseman-esque promo in the back where he's talking about violence and professionals. It was very Arn Anderson-esque and I loved it. That that's the, that's the John Moxley. I want not the guy with his shoulders 
being Heath Ledger's Joker type of a thing. I love intense John Moxley. Brian Danielson, when he's not corpsing, is very good. And Claudio and Wheeler just being muscle and silent. I think that's this is a great horseman-esque stable. I love the Blackpool Combat Club. Do they beat the elite in Anarchy in the Arena? I think they do. Do you think Don Callis is involved in any way? Yes. I I mean, I think Danielson doing the I had no idea thing a few weeks ago, the way he was saying it sort of suggests that he knew that Callis was involved in this somehow. And I think that the Blackpool Combat Club and Elite story will continue. And this is a good, the heels winning is a good way to have heat on this. Yeah, it could, also I, occurred to me that a returning Mr. CM Punk would be a wonderful fit in this iteration of Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, well, but I don't think the Jack- that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It, it, which is uh, like, look, uh, unfortunately, a failure to manage. Like, if you can't get CM Punk into your top heel faction because of politics, that sucks. Yeah, I think there are players to be named, but I think they're both Japanese. I think Takeshita is oh, involved. And I think Kota Ibushi somehow makes an appearance at this card. Oh, uh, I think, yeah, Callus, Callus brings out Takeshita. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. And then whose side is he on? And then you find out he's with Blackpool Combat Club because that's what Don has done. Then maybe Ibushi comes out to help even that, but make the save, but after a defeat or something to that effect. But I, boy, I, I think it's, See, I can't, I can't fully sell myself on the elite losing this because I could see Yuta being just sacrificed here easily, and then that kind of being, you know, Danielson being mad at him and wanting to bring in Takeshita after that. Uh, and plus, they just get such a big pop every time. I mean, people want the elite to be on top of this card, be on top of this company, and part of the, and I'm going to get into this when I talk about the four way, but part of the heat with AEW with fans is that their biggest stars are not the guys at the top of the card. And I think it's been one of the reasons why they're being able to grow. When you say people, I think it's really important to distinguish live audience attendance versus ratings and ratings viewing and ratings bumps happen from stars. And up to date, CM Punk's been the biggest rating bump that the company's had. But whenever the companies had like little blips, it's because they brought in new stars. Yes. Yeah. Even if they're aged, uh, the elite are four guys who are very good wrestlers, but not particularly strong characters of the four. The strongest is probably the strongest and least ironic is emo cowboy, Adam page. Right. But that character has not exactly lit the world on fire in terms of capturing like the national imagination or anything like that. He, he's not like this all-time classic character. And then Kenny Omega has been basically doing an ironic parody of legendary wrestler intros as his character and then like sort of a greatest hits version of his matches, you know, for the last couple of years here with the North Carolina. And then he gets in and he does you know, a nice mishmash of stuff that he was doing from 2013 to 2023. And the Bucks, great cartwheels, nice drop kicks, uh, no, you know, nice costumes, you know, great tailors, but 
not exactly dynamic personalities. Uh, you know, th these are this is not a strong personality faction, and I think it's hard to get your star to the next level when you're just you know a good to very great wrestler. Yes, I agree. American television wrestling is different than indie wrestling and Japanese wrestling. I'm sorry. It's based on your mouth. It's based on your personality. It's based on broad strokes. As much as even if even in non WWE, The Rock times. was not this great wrestler. No, he had a stylized way of moving that you know when things worked, it looked pretty good. But a lot of his stuff was really exaggerated. The Rock was a dynamic character. Mm -hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin, when he was double knee brace Steve was basically just kicking people in a corner and then doing stunners. But he was compelling because he was a great talker. Macho Man, great wrestler, absolutely. But Macho Man's matches alone wasn't what made Macho Man this like character that right. people still do, oh, yeah, at the bar. Like I heard that within the last month. Yeah, it, it was, was his, power. his his weird promos and his eccentricities that people loved. Um, I'm going to give you a chance to change your mind on the Battle Royal because I, I have a list of the participants. None of them moved me necessarily, but it might move you. Orange Cassidy, Ricky Starks, Butcher Blade, Bandito, Commander, Lee Moriarty, Big Bill, Arya Davari, Tony Nese, Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, Kip Sabian, Ray Phoenix, Penta, Swerve Strickland, Brian Cage, Jay White, Juice Robinson, Keith Lee, and Dustin Rhodes, aka oh. everybody you could see on a Friday night on Rampage. D does that move you at all on any of those? Change my mind. Okay. It's going to be Tony Nese. <laughs> oh, don't do that to me. Uh, <laughs> moving on to our last match of the evening, the one that we've been waiting for. <clears throat> Four-way match for the AEW World Championship. MJF versus Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen versus Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Look, we've been given a lot of crap for the inconsistent characterization of Sammy Guevara, the underwhelming promos of Jack Perry, the unnecessary cutting by everybody against everybody, including this week with MJF talking about the lifts in Darby's shoes which was professional malpractice, in my opinion. Although MJF, compared to Dax, found the hard camera and it made his promo ten times as better than Dax's, who was working the entire crowd as opposed to that camera. I think there's something to be said for that. But I think there also needs to be something said about this. The fourth pillar in this hasn't had many favors done for him, and I think his... He's part of the creative behind his own program here. And I think I think people just don't want a cowardly champion. I, I know it gets heat. You can be a coward in the context of the match itself. But I think when they think he'll champ, they want cocky rock or they want Ric Flair. They want a guy who can go in there and he knows he can beat ass. He's a little cocky. And then he gets a little full of himself and he's like, oh no. And he begs off a bit during the match. Now, I think there's a way to save to resort to cheating or something like that. I think it's, I, I'd rather have like my heel be like a quote unquote fighting champion. 
rather you know not a real fighting a fighter who eventually cheats and then it's like ah it gets the air out of the sails as opposed to say because i think the look i think the miz comparison right now is apt i really do and i think it's it's how miz held the top title as well i i just i think there needs this is a guy who has beaten brian danielson he should be a little full of himself and his abilities here and not just talking about his contract and stuff. That's my problem here. And I think he's. I said I wanted to. I said I wanted a heel champ who could talk, and maybe this business would grow. I just. I think. I don't know. I. I think the jury's still out on whether MJF can be the guy. And I like him. It's not that I don't like MJF. I just think I think he really wants to. Get into the yuck yucks a little bit, and I think. Well, it's not that he can't talk. It's that sometimes the style of promo that he is doing is not really the best choice for the moment. Right. And that happened a lot during the Danielson program. And I would argue that that's kind of happened a fair amount here in this yes. program as well. And then, yeah, like inconsistent characterization of Sammy Guevara. I think he's doing a nice job as a babyface this time around. I, I think like this, this is a nice natural transition to a babyface character if that's where they're trying to go. I don't think they are, though, Chris. I think here's what I think is going to happen. I, I thought that this match was a vehicle for a double turn. You're turning Guevara and, you're, and you turn Perry heel. Here's how I saw the climax of this match sort of playing out. Okay. We get to this point where... We have three guys in the ring. Darby's down for whatever reason, right? You have MJF, you have Jack Perry, you have Sammy Guevara in the ring. And MJF tries one more time to offer Sammy Guevara the bribe. And Sammy's like, hell no, I'm not going to take the bribe. And it's too late because Jack Perry's already taken the bribe way before the match. And he attacks Guevara at this point and actually turns heel. I have it a little different because I think because of the failure of building up all the pillars as credible threats to this title, I think you need to build up Darby Allen as almost a superhero trying to overcome things. I think Sammy tries to cash in. I think this has been a fake the entire time and he does. And then it stopped. And then jungle boy eventually reveals himself to have also taken the briefcase and, and turn or at least he's not going to lay down for him, but he's going to help MJF win, or he's going to do something to Darby to then let MJF pin him. But I uh, think he, Sammy's a flake. Boy, Jungle Boy taking a bribe and letting himself get pinned as the catalyst for his heel turn would be a great start. I think so too, but I, I, I just think it'll be one of those, we don't want to pin him, but he'll be the guy who helps MJF get the pin. But I think this becomes, I think this match becomes Darby Allen versus the world. I think we're going to have some of the firm. I think we're going to have some of the Jericho Appreciation Society helping to try and get Sammy the title. I think we're going to have Luchasaurus and Christian possibly trying to help Jungle Boy get the title. And I think eventually Sting comes out and helps clear them out. And then we get the drama between the four pillars. Sammy decides he wants the deal after all. He's a bit of a flake. Uh, MJF says, kind of either says F that or Darby stops it. And then jungle boy reveals he's taken. And if they hadn't, if they hadn't tipped their hand about jungle boy already, it would be a great moment, but they've tipped it already. And I think that's a problem. I know um, 
they shouldn't have tipped it because it, no, it would have been an amazing moment. I I understand the criticism, but that's going to be levied towards me on this. Where it's like Jeff, you want things to make sense, and Jungle Boy doing a heel turn out of the blue that doesn't make any sense. Blah know, blah blah. The blah, seeds, blah. Here's the thing, though. I, I'm going to defend you. The, the seeds have already been planted, people. The the story of a bribe is out there. The red herring would be Sammy Guevara. Yes. It? And the real bribe and the surprise is it's actually Jungle Boy who's been having a dark night of the soul being stuck in midnight mid-card hell. And getting his ass beat by Roosh. <laughs> you know, I, I would think Roosh would be the turning point for him turn because these other guys had an easy route to this last week. And, you know, and people have been complaining about him and stuff like that. I think it goes down as we think. Um, Question, does the night end with MJF as champion being happy or do we get to see who his next person opponent's going to be and who is that going to be, Chris? Man, that is interesting. I think we do see his next opponent because we don't want our heel champion to be too, too happy. Right. And his next opponent, I mean, you know, Parmy almost like thought it was going to be like the CM Punk thing, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be Punk and MJF immediately. I don't even know if it's going to be somebody in AEW. I wonder if they're going to start plugging the Forbidden Door match and it might be like an Okada or someone from okay, New you Japan. you have Okada as the big walkout reveal at the end. Or whoever the Wembley opponent's going to be. I don't know who. Um, But so far, I can't think of many surprises, and you know Tony loves his surprises. Uh, I, I just think they, they love to do that thing where, okay, here's the champ, and here's the next guy who's going to be going after the champ. And I think there's... I think barring the fact that they... I thought they were going to do this with the women, with Mercedes... I think it's somebody off the board that I'm not thinking of. No, totally, totally. I think, let me give you one. Okay. Slapjack. <laughs> okay. All right, that's enough of that stuff. Uh, enjoy uh, your Memorial Day weekend. Uh, also, be reverent on your Memorial Day weekend. That's from uh, old preachy Jeff Hawkins. You can follow me at Crap Game 13 You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes, all one word, on Twitter. Chris is not on Twitter because he hates fun. He's on Instagram oh, at the billionaires don't need to post. <laughs> oh, they don't have free speech rights. No, anyways, I know <laughs> Chris, no. Chris is on the gram at D O C T O R underscore N O V. Chris, tell them about your projects. Yes. So first and foremost, most importantly, I need to give a shout out to my boys at rock studies who actually listen to this podcast here. That, that's the bar I go to an hour. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> They actually listen all the way to the plugs. Like I was at rock steadies and Jory's like, yo dude, I heard about your Jimi Hendrix camp. And I was like, damn dude, you really do listen to the show. Like you listen all the way to the end of the show. I know. So I know he's hearing this section right now. Um, I am doing a Jimi Hendrix summer camp. As I mentioned, if you're interested in signing up for that, it starts on June 17th. Uh, hit me up on Instagram or you can email me at chrisnovembrino at gmail.com, like my name at gmail.com, the common email address. And as Jeff mentioned before, on Instagram, I am Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. If you are in the Albuquerque area on Saturday, I will be at Molly's in the early afternoon from like one to four and then 
me and Dio hop in the car and we drive up the turquoise trail to Madrid to play at the mine shaft. So if you want to see us in the New Mexico area, come on out. Hondo Coyote, baby. If you've made it this far, Chris will give you a big hug and kiss when he sees you. I'll at least have a drink with you. Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Noah. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps.